Most business models have focused on self-interest instead of user experience. Those are the kinds of problems we love to solve, says Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple. This is Walking Your Talk, a personal development podcast about leadership, authenticity, and courage. I'm Carolyn Taylor, and I've spent my life working with leaders in organizations on how to change their culture. But this is much more personal. If you want to be known as someone who walks your talk at work and beyond, then this podcast is for you. Hello. How to build trust. That's been the topic of this series of Walking Your Talk, which are based on the trust equation, a formula for explaining the ingredients of trust, which is outlined in David Mace's book by that same name. And the equation is that trust is competence plus reliability plus intimacy divided by self-interest. And today, I'm going to cover the final and most powerful episode, which is about self-interest. Now, the mathematically inclined amongst you will know that anything which is a divisor in an equation will have a much bigger impact on the final outcome than any of the numbers that sit on the top of the line. So you can have 10 plus 20 plus 20, which equals 50, But if you then divide that by 10, you end up with just 5. If you only divide it by 1, you keep your 50. So you could imagine that you could have 10 points of capability, 20 points of reliability, 20 points of intimacy. But if you then have 10 points of self-interest, you're going to end up with only 5 points of trust. So despite being really capable, really reliable, and even building the intimacy that you get from knowing someone really well and them knowing you, what this means is that if someone judges you to being high on self-interest, then that's going to destroy most of the benefits that you've built up on all the other factors. And this actually applies for organizations as well as for individuals, but I am going to focus on individuals in this podcast because we just haven't really got time to cover both, but it's worth thinking about what I say in relation to your broader organization as well. So given that being seen as trustworthy by clients or by colleagues is such a crucial contributor to success and has such a multiplier in the value of our own personal brand and then, you know, enables us to build friendships, partnerships, teams, organizations that function really well. I mean, the benefits just go on and on. So given all of that, it feels pretty damn important that we can find every way we can to be perceived as low on self-interest. So what I love about the trust equation is we've kind of honed trust down and down and down. And in this episode now, we're getting sort of right to the core of the lever, the lever, which is the most powerful to multiply the impact and the benefits of trust for you. But here's a curious thing, because ultimately every human being is hardwired to survive. And so on one level, we're all going to be self-interested. 
So it's the manner then in which we operate, given that ultimate self-preservation need that we've all got that becomes important, and the extent to which we recognize that in fact working with other people and having the trust of other people is actually crucial to our survival and therefore ultimately to our self-interest. So if I think, you know, I'm a salesperson, how do I make my sales targets and always do what's right for the customer? Or I'm an ambitious employee who aspires to be selected for promotion from a pool of my peers who may also have similar aspirations. How do I sit with those peers and also do the right thing by them? Or I'm a colleague who wants to preserve some sort of work-life balance by you know, stopping work at a reasonable hour, for example. How do I then say no to an overloaded colleague who comes to me and asks for my help in taking on some of her extra commitments? How then can we really act in the interest of others and still achieve our own goals? I, I find that a fascinating question and I'm going to touch on it and give you some of my thoughts in this episode because I think the answer lies in the idea that we need others to believe, to know that their success is as important to them as our own. And to achieve that, I think there are a couple of core mental models, if you like, that we have to hold as being true for us. The first one is that the law of karma really does apply, that when we do the right thing for others, good will come back to us. And the second is that we have to open our hearts. We have to open ourselves to others and we have to care. Care about their well-being, about their interests, about their presence in our lives, who they are as a person, what's going on for them. Let's look at what self-interest and its opposite actually mean within the kind of practicalities of our daily lives and where do the opportunities emerge. I've seen lots in the activities of the people I coach, the teams I, I watch in operation, and obviously my own life. And I'm working for example at the moment with a legal team, and one of their members talked to me just, just recently about the team leader. And essentially, she said, you know, she only connects with me or contacts me when she needs something that will make her look good in front of her boss. That's what she told me. She never asks me about how things are going for me, this team member went on to say. She's not really interested in my work. She's not interested in what's going on in my business unit. She's only interested in what she might need for the board or for the executive team. I just don't trust her now. You know, I feel that her motivations are selfish and that as a result, the team doesn't really gel. So the conclusion that I reached as I heard her tell this story, and I've heard similar stories so many times, is that with this person now, that the mistrust had set in, it settled in. And so she was now interpreting everything about her boss through a lens of it must be self-interest. I mean, I, I doubt that she was probably now interpreting her boss's actions that accurately. Because once a mistrust has been established, of course, it takes an awful lot of effort to then overturn it. 
And in this case, you know, I'm pretty certain that she, I, I know her, that the, the boss is quite unaware of the impact that she's had. So there's going to be work to be done there for them and probably a bit of work for me too, working with them. But let me give you a personal story, another example here. I spend a lot of time with clients, you know, helping them to change their culture. And I'm also responsible for bringing in revenue in our business to sustain it and help it grow. And occasionally I'll hear via one of my colleagues that, oh, you know, Carolyn tries to sell too much. The clients think you try to sell too much. And when I hear that, I know that I've failed. I know that I've failed to manage my trust equation. Because if a client thinks that I'm being too much of a salesperson, what they're really saying is that they are experiencing my self-interest going up way too high. And that their dominant experience is not that they feel cared for or helped or well advised by the work we're doing for them, but that they seem to be around someone who's always trying to sell them something else. And that's not good. And when I heard it, I felt terrible. Because yes, it's true. I mean, I can always see ways in which a client would benefit from one of our services and some more of the services even than what they're getting at the moment. But the timing and the quantity and the nature of that conversion, of converting that thought that I have, that, that thing that I see into action has got to be a natural outcome of the value that the client is experiencing. And when I or anyone else who's involved in selling gets that wrong, then our trust is eroded. So two stories there, uh, one or other of which I, I suspect you can probably relate to. And there are many more. You'll have your story. We all know these stories about how trust gets broken because we think someone's not acting in our best interest, but acting in theirs. So what to do? So I think the answer lies in the second mindset, which is caring. Because the more we demonstrate that we care about other people and want to support their success and their well-being, then the more we're going to be trusted by them. And this matters much more than competence and reliability and intimacy dimensions, which make up the top part of that trust equation. So if you're trying to build trust into your organization, then focus on building a culture of caring behaviors. It's not a word that comes up that often when I see lists of behaviors or values that people have in their organization, and yet it's such a fundamental one. And the same with your customers. You know, I read today that our trust in Facebook, that they will take care of our personal data, has dropped by 70% or something in the last two years. You know, that's hard to recover from. So for some people, I think caring is instinctive. But for most of us, it takes some effort, and especially in the midst of our sort of task-orientated life. And I know it does for me. So let's plan this out a little bit more together. Who are the people who could feasibly see you as being more interested in yourself and your goals than in them? Maybe list some of them. You know, some of the key members of your direct reports, for example, or colleagues across the organization who might see you as protecting your turf or holding on to information or opportunities that, you know, will you'll use or use against them or certainly isn't going to help them by not knowing them. 
or maybe your own boss, you know, who, who perhaps he or she thinks that you're not pulling for the team, you're just out for yourself. You know, does he or she trust you not to leave them in the lurch if another better job suddenly came up? And what about your immediate colleagues in your own team, the team that your boss leads? Can they trust you to help them succeed as much as you do at that individual level? Where might your weaker relationships be? And finally, if you have external customers, which of them might have those same thoughts about you, concerns that you put your interests ahead of theirs? So I realise this could be quite a long list and an important group of people. They're very, very important group for people. So my suggestion is perhaps pick four or five of those people to practice your ability to show a lower level of self-interest. So what are some of the ways that you could show that you care about their success, their well-being, regardless of your own? You know, what are they trying to achieve? Perhaps you're not sure, so find a reason to sit down and find out. You know, ask them gently and persistently, and then work out how you can help, however you can, even if there may not be some short-term cost to you. And I think this is where the belief in karma has to come in because there is a multiplier effect that happens in trusting relationships. So many people, that is direct and immediate. You know, someone you start, someone starts building trust in you and they will give something back to you. You give to them, they give back to you. But for others, it may, the benefit may pop up in some other way. Someone else will notice what you're doing and their trust goes up in you and maybe they open a door for you. So that's the task side of trust building that you can plan an action. Really find the people, find out how you could add value and just go help and go help specifically in a way where there is no immediate gain for you and maybe even some sacrifice and just see what happens. The rest is simply caring and I say the rest, of course, being attentive, listening, empathizing, understanding, supporting, no mean task, but not exactly something that I can sort of sit here and say, you have to do this, you have to do that. But it's that combination, I think, of planning deliberately about how you can build that trust based around lower self-interest and just finding ways to open up and care more. So there you have it, the fourth dimension of the trust equation and the one that can sabotage the rest for you if you don't pay attention to it. So let's just finish off this series then. The trust equation is competence plus reliability plus intimacy divided by self-interest, which leads to greater trust. Trust in turn opens doors for collaboration, for client delight, for personal success, for great teams. And I'll end this series there, and in my next episode, I will introduce the work of another thought leader who has influenced my work and my thinking, and who I think will help yours. So goodbye until then. Mm -hmm.